them, drive bombs, easy, go connect to them. Drive bombs, easy, go connect to them. Drive bombs, now hear the word of the bones. Uh, hey, welcome to Boney Island Whitefish. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with my sweet, beautiful Canadian friend, Riley. Hello. I've been demoted from co-host to, to friend. <laughs> I'd like to think all co-hosts were friends first, you know? Yeah. I, I, I suppose that's a promotion, actually. Yeah, pr- promoted from friend to co-host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's actually how I, I asked you to originally do this podcast. I sent you a message saying, how would you like to get the corner office of um, rising in my estimation? That's right. Mm. Uh, yeah. A decent proposal, you know? <laughs> A pretty good proposal. <sighs> oh boy, did we cop an episode this week? I think um, two stinkers. I <laughs> they could call yeah. that saying. Hey, they could call that this podcast that name. In my opinion, <laughs> two two stinkers, <laughs> two, two two just absolute plops in the toilet. Oh no! Well, look. Before we get into that, we should probably have a. <laughs> breakfast update this ain't your granddaddy's bones podcast uh and i can tell you why this isn't going to be your granddaddy's breakfast update all i've had today is a cup of black coffee from the red mug the red la Cruze mug uh, and no breakfast because i am hung over oh no <laughs> and ironically breakfast kind of helps you know it's yeah. that it's that difficult situation where you got to get something in you but getting something in you is scary. Yeah, I, I, I looked at the... Because we, we still have, like, you know, a nice sourdough that I picked up from the Turkish baker in Green Lanes. Yasar Halim. It's the best Turkish bakery in London. The best Turkish food store in London. Um, I've got a lovely sourdough I bought from their bakery. Uh, I have a really nice rye that some friends who moved in just down the road, which is very exciting, uh, brought over in exchange for me helping them carry several awful couches from uh, a couch, from a, a van, rather, uh, hmm. into their front room. And they're just sitting in our bread bin, which is marked bread. Um, <laughs> and I'm not eating them because I, wo- I set my alarm for 7.30 in the morning to do this podcast. Uh, and then I woke up at 7.30 having had a very strange dream that I, I had six children um, huh. Yeah. Uh, can, but I, like, can I just say from experience as a father, too many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Six. Six. You know what? You're going to want to, you're going to want to cut back on those. Oh, we had a, you got to want to thin that herd, you know? <laughs> hey, you know what you should do? You should do a redundancy process for your children. Hmm. Yeah. Or like a, like a rose ceremony. So you go, like every oh, child, yeah. <laughs> every child's worst nightmare, <laughs> like being selected by their parents as to who, who stays in the loving embrace of their home and who goes to an orphanage because yeah, it's seems... they all line up like the von traps <laughs> except one of them's being eliminated at the end. Yeah, it's it's they all have to line up like the von traps and sing but they're singing for their place in the house that's right um, yeah it's a but so i woke up at seven thirty and was like oh i physically need 15 more minutes of lying down is I'm not going to be able to bring the heat for this episode of Bones that was uncommonly good. I loved it. But before we talk about that, I want to know what you have, not as a breakfast update, what are you having for dinner tonight? Because you are cooking uncommonly good dinners. Like, you're usually cooking really good dinners. You're cooking uncommonly good dinners recently. Well, I'm, uh, you know, Lucy's staying with us, so mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta crank it up a little, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought I could hear a a, a, a Bunta Vista uh, a scene happening in the background. Someone setting up a fairground <laughs> that you could all sit on and then record an episode of Bunta Vista on uh, from the top. Well, Lucy's not really that happy to be there uh, <laughs> on, on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, well, last night I made uh, sweet and sour pork. And it was a it was a good one, if I do mm. say so myself. I saw it. I, that's, that's kind of what made me say you're cooking uncommonly good dinners. Mm. Uh, because my my wife uh, does some of the grocery shopping at Aldi, uh-huh. classic Aldi, and she had bought a a pork fillet, like just mm-hmm. a you know little little pork loin fillet, and also a uh, ribeye fillet. And so I had to think of something to do with them. 
And so the first one was a couple of nights ago. I smoked and then reverse seared um, a ribeye and oh, made some yeah. made some garlic and black pepper compound butter. Did some nice, uh, very crispy little roast potatoes, and then just like uh, you know some lightly steamed green beans and broccoli with a bit of olive oil, lemon juice, uh, lemon zest. Because mm-hmm. I just got a new microplane for my birthday. Been getting into the microplaning action. Oh, you got a microplane. Yeah. Got a microplane. Yeah. Uh, that was good for doing the, the garlic into mm-hmm. the compound butter. Oh, of course it uh, was. You can just grate your garlic up really nice and fine. It's also very good for doing... Um, got a nice block of Grand Padano in the fridge. And um, it's very nice for putting over some pasta. You know, honestly, you it makes like me... These. Hearing you talk about this makes me wish I ate meat still. Well, uh, Lucy, Lucy has been living vegan for a long time, um, but you know she she is of the vegan persuasion of like if I'm staying with somebody and you know they're serving meat for a meal, I'm not going to be like, hey. Um, so you know she's she's fine with. Doing uh, she's that. the kind uh, although, of vegan that doesn't exist in the imagination of like people who buy T-shirts that are supposed to like own the vegans. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, same as Ben, I think that Ben lives at least vegetarian most of the time. Um, but same for him, you know. If if he comes around and you're cooking something up, he'll eat it. It's fine. It's no big deal. Lucy was very pleased to have a. Um, I made us both some uh, some four and twenty meat pies from the freezer the other day. Wait, oh, four and twenty meat pies is that is that from the rhyme? Well, it's a, it's the brand. It's the it's it is the seminal Australian meat pie brand that you would get like at the footy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the 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 smoked uh, the smoked ribeye was very very nice. I enjoyed it greatly. And um, Lucy had never buttered a piece of steak before, which is good. <laughs> she was explaining that um, part of the reason that she was like, "I'm not missing out on anything with meat," was because of like how her mum cooked meat when she was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, the the same, yeah, it was that the the same kind of experience that I think a lot of people, particularly people like um, my parents' age, have with like specific vegetables, which is your parents uh, just destroyed these vegetables, like boiled the ever living fuck God, out of them, yeah. or steamed them until like all the color had left them, and they just become like grayscale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there's lots of lots of people who are just like, I'm not having green beans ever again in my life <laughs> because oh, of, of the way they're always served to me. And so for Lucy, it was the same experience with um, with stuff like steak. Where you know, I think her mum just always bought like very very cheap beef and then just like nuked it in a frying pan until it was just gray, uh, gray hard <laughs> chunk. Um, whereas uh, then she said, then she was an adult and had like. As an adult, she had like a good steak and was like, oh, okay. So she definitely enjoys the steak. Very much enjoyed the ribeye. And then last night I turned the pork loin into uh, sweet and sour pork, which, um, you know, you got to do your, your little flour and corn flour dredge and then your egg wash so and good. then and then the flour dredge again and deep fry all of that so it's nice and crispy. So, so do you have a deep fryer or do you just like, do you just like uh, dump a... Um do you just like yeah dump a a a, 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 a One bunch day, of oil into a pot? Uh, I currently I use a either my small or my large um, like enamel cast iron Dutch oven type things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a couple of them. So currently I use one of those, and I have like a um, I have like a candy thermometer, mm-hmm. uh, which is one that you can like clip to the inside of a of a pan um and it has like you know the classic thermometer and a whole bunch of temperatures up the side mm-hmm. uh for sounds like a thermometer appropriate. uh well it's it specifically says though at alongside different things um you know this is this is the point at which like sugar will melt this is the point at which you will get a hard crack from uh from like if you're if you're like candying stuff mm-hmm. uh, and then up at the sort of 170 degrees um, Celsius, that's when you start to hit the, the deep fry point. 
Um, so that thing works pretty well, really. It's It's been a long-running debate for me whether I should ever actually buy a deep fryer or if I'm just encouraging like 10 years off of my life by doing mm-hmm. that. And we got a pretty small kitchen in this but, house. So but every what a appliance good 10 years. is a very... Every appliance is a very, very uh, careful decision. Uh-huh. However, I did not regret for my birthday getting a rotisserie. For yeah, that looks great. Uh, and then I made shawarma. I overnight marinated a whole bunch of chicken thighs, made a big meat spear, um, made a garlic uh, tum. I don't uh-huh. know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, if, you, if Andrew is not pronouncing that correctly, please do not write in. Yep. Uh, write to some other podcast. Mm-hmm. But that's where you uh, you emulsify you emulsify a whole bunch of like fresh uh, garlic cloves and like avocado oil um, and a bit of chili oil, you know, and it turns into this nice, nice creamy garlic sauce. Uh, my wife made some some homemade pita breads, and uh, we had the the nice, you know, the nice shawarma kebabs for dinner. Oh my god! Good god! So I've been enjoying it. Dinner, dinner update is better than my breakfast update today, which was I had uh, two pieces of toast with Vegemite, butter and Vegemite. Oh, uh, yeah. See, la- la- last night, my dinner, my, my, my dinner update was very simple because I, I, I really like Italian food. I like making Italian food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, like, uh, I just made myself a, a, little, a little puttanesca. Hmm. And then you uh, had too much to drink. And then, ruined it all. And then I ru- and then I ruined it by saying something stupid like Yes, I'll have seven more drinks. <laughs> Excuse me, Barkey. <laughs> I'll have seven more drinks on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, um Yeoman. I could I have could I have several of your Belgian strong beers? Um, In fairness, I, I did that the other night when I was like um smoking that ribeye and making dinner and everything and mm-hmm. like i was just i was just feeling it so yeah, you're vibing. Just, you, you have like four mm. or five beers uh just like because co- if you're doing something we're cooking it takes like several hours and you got to watch and prod it it's like you have a beer it's like when i do woodworking like my friend my friend and i do a lot of woodworking like we like to refit find and refinish tables and things of that nature like, you, uh, like half of the the woodworking session is spent just buying and drinking beer like there's some woodworking that goes on and nevertheless we're looking at renting like an, a railway arch in south london on, and which we can continue doing woodworking but like hope, mostly uh, just drinking i hope you're not you're not getting your hands on anything too powerful um <laughs> yeah this, when, we're, using, I mean, we're using a nuclear powered belt sander oh uh, you know like uh like uh, I've I've got like a you know like a big router, um, I've got like a, a big a big miter drop saw kind of thing. Some of those things where it's like I think you know you got a two drink maximum yeah. for operating some things. Yeah, hey, we got uh, a two things. we got a we got a two drink minimum in our workshop. If you know what I mean, we're immediately yeah. going to get shut down. <laughs> oh boy! Now speaking of things, I would love to have shut down. Um, <laughs> Who wouldn't love to have been in the writer's room for this episode of Bones? Yeah. At which point we could have said, Stop it. Fucking forget this. Yeah. As soon as somebody, as soon as somebody pulled like the big card down off the wall with the, the idea, the germ of this episode, we could mm-hmm. have gone, no. Yeah. Pick a different one. Uh, mm. Can you, could, sorry, could you please, um, could you please pick the idea where instead they have to solve the murder of someone who looks like a centaur? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if they've ever done that. Don't tell me if they've ever done that. Tell a different podcast if they've done that. No. Um, uh, Booth saying, a centaur. And then uh, Bone saying, why that's simply impossible as a human being only possesses two legs. <laughs> yeah. but And, and then um, so it'd be Booth. Booth says bones we're talking about we're talking about finding a real centaur here and then bones would say yes as you say 
A human being only possesses two legs and none of them have cloven hooves. Crystal Method would then play. Then Angela would walk in and say, apparently a man rode a horse out of an air. So what happened actually was a man was pushed out of an airplane on a horse and then landed impacting into the front legs. So it looks as though he's a centaur, but of course he isn't really. You can find the horse's head just over here and it would be five seconds after the theme song and then they would just investigate a series of people and then they would solve the crime off camera and it would turn it and then the B plot would be something like, um, uh, I don't know, Hodgins', Hodgins car is in the shop and he needs to see if he can figure out the features on the new Toyota Yaris uh, <laughs> in, in enough time to get to, uh, God, what would be another product tie-in from 2010? Um, oh, fuck. Uh, 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 oh, yeah, so he could... Um, uh, go. He can get to the worldwide developers conference where they're finally going to announce, a, you know, the Apple Watch, the iPad two. Yeah, yeah, the iPad. He can get an iPad two. He has to queue up for an iPad two. That would be a fun episode. I would love to talk about that episode of Bones. Instead, we will be talking about season five, episode sixteen, the parts in the sum of the whole. What a great! Uh, what a great <sighs> title. We have a bones count of 16 on this episode. Okay. Uh, which is, I, I think, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, a singular bone count of 28, which mm-hmm. is entirely respectable. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, this episode is like a, a perfect... It is the eye of the hurricane of all of the things that I least would like to see in an episode of bones. Mm-hmm. Um, we open with Bones and Booth uh, walking along and they're talking about how Sweets has made a mistake in his book that's all about them. Uh, Which is as a very... framing narrative. as Just as a framing narrative mm. where they're like, hey, we want to explore, we want a framing narrative for some reason to explore the relationship between Bones and Booth. I know. Let's have Sweets write a book about how his bosses want to fuck. Somehow they managed to come up with something worse than last week where the entire um where the entire sort of controversy of the episode was hey what if we had somebody come and talk to you about how Bones's books are really about all the people she works with and everyone insists that they aren't even though they clearly are mm-hmm. for the whole episode instead this is this this requires the um the assumed knowledge that you know that Sweets has written a book about the two of them, their relationship, which has come up in this season once, actually, when they're talking to when he's talking to Gordon Gordon Wyatt, he says, "I am writing a book about these two, and my conclusion is that they're in love." And then Stephen Fry, you know, says something like, "Yes, uh, love is the warmest jubbly. I'm a na- I'm a national treasure for some reason." Um, and uh, so it is that is prefigured, but it really does hit you like a truck if you don't specifically remember that awful conversation. No, if you just missed that episode of the show. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they're discussing this mistake. Booth thinks that the mistake is about uh, the two of them being in love, which is Sweets' um, big conclusion about these fucking two people that he works with for some reason he's written a book about them fuck off also what what publisher is like yes please i'd like to we'd like to publish your book about how this famous author who's all this famous crime solving author who has how most of the world understands bones who wrote the kathy reichs series and then um and and an fbi agent are actually in love which is also seems to be a supply so many the the book stuff in the last two episodes really can just the writers maybe this was during like a secret writer's strike (laughs) like where it's just they're just like oh yeah let's have another book is the framing narrative awesome yeah i'm just imagining um going to a publisher and saying hey would you like to buy a book about two people in my office who i think love each other Mm, and it's a no (laughs) it's no it's a psychology textbook somehow as well. It's a, it's a <laughs> psychology textbook about that uses like, yeah, like a first year for like a, like a first year university psychological concept. Like, mm, they're sublimating their love for one another. It's like, yeah, I guess so. But how, how is a, how is an, it's, it, how is it office gossip <laughs> supposed to be in the book? 
don't know. So so Booth thinks that that's what the mistake is. And Bones is like, uh, no, I don't care about that bullshit. I only care about the facts. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so much of that. And this, I, I am already just dreading this episode. Very ominous atmosphere. As it is then revealed to us very quickly, they go to Sweets' office. Um, he says, this is my understanding of your relationship. And Bones says, that's your right as a psychologist to get everything wrong. And I guess she didn't learn anything from the demon episode about denigrating psychologists to their face. <laughs> that's the real moral of the, sto- of the story of Bones, which is that you should be nicer to psychologists. <laughs> so, um, so unfortunately... Uh, unfortunately this episode was finished <laughs> they they finished and shot it if you want to talk about the word unfortunately unfortunately it is immediately revealed to us that uh, this will be a flashback episode that this entire thing takes place in the past as we examine the very first case that uh, Bones and Booth worked on together Mm-hmm. And I suppose if you are someone who watches this show for what you believe to be the like scintillating uh, tension between Booth and Bones, I know that's why I watch it. Then yeah, I guess I guess that this will be like a very a very tantalizing thing to you. Mm. Uh, except for the fact that there isn't really any chemistry. Uh, it's it's kind of the same way that like you know how uh, like. Booth is good looking in the universe of this show, but mm-hmm. only because people just keep saying it. Oh yeah. Not not because that's like actually the case or anything. It's just it becomes reality because people keep saying it. And I think that's the same with their their relationship, you know? They just go, Oh, there is a lot of tension between you. Will you? Won't you? And the mm. two of them just kind of look at each other with fucking blank faces, nothing yeah. going on. Well, there is also very much, right? It's one of these things where I feel like they say, well, we need to do some will they, won't they tension. And so we are going to have them say, will we, won't we? And then turn to the camera and be like, I guess we'll have to find out. But what we will do is hop down to the Toyotathon Super Savings event. (laughs) (sighs) So... Unfortunately, it is flashback time. They need to tell Sweets about the first episode they worked on. Uh, first episode. First case that they worked on together, which, uh-huh. of course, is not the fucking one he's written about in his book. His whole book's fucked up. He's a big fucking idiot. You should throw the whole thing out. He spent years working on it. Somehow he spent years working on this book without actually talking to them about it, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they could have clarified this for him, like, at the outline stage, but apparently not. Well, it's look, it's another one of these things, right? Where it's like, ah, you had an idea. It's a, imagine the Bones writer's room where they're like, I have an idea. Let's explore their first case. We'll do it using the framing narrative of Sweet's book. And it's going to be that he got something wrong. And someone's going to say, excuse me, there are several conceptual problems with that idea. And he'll be like, bup, 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 bup. the 45 minute cl- timer has started. <laughs> be better do more writing and less conceptual and less conceptual reflection. Yeah, the big like uh, the big ten minutes to midnight type clock starts starts ticking down on the wall. It's like a you know you know in Ghostbusters when they're like nobody picture anything in your head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then one of them accidentally pictures the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and that oh, becomes yeah. Ghost's vehicle for their destruction. And then Bones um, has to figure out what happened, and it's all Marshmallow, and she's like, uh, "Logically, this is impossible that there would be a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man." Booth is like, "Oh, I always thought the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was going to come get me." And then you know the Crystal Method plays, and they're like, "It's not the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It turns out it was just a very fat guy." Well. In this particular case, I think that the writer's room operates like that, where it's like, hey, nobody have an idea. <laughs> no one have an idea, because then as soon as you have an idea, the big <laughs> clock on the wall just starts. And everyone's like, fuck. Oh, fuck, damn. start writing. Start writing. Damn it. We have to write another episode of Bones. Will yeah, you, can't, be free? you can't just say to the other writers, flashback episode about when they started working together. Otherwise, suddenly, tick, talk, tick, talk. 
I love everyone has to put down their subway sandwiches and get straight to it. <laughs> and if they don't write a 45 minute episode of Bones in 45 minutes, um, then, you know, another one of them is led out of the room and doesn't come back. And <laughs> then, you know, there are a few. Have they been released? How or something worse happened to them? You don't know. What you have to do is you just have to keep writing. Don't think about it. Don't edit it. Just keep on writing. God. So, unfortunately, we are going to be transported back uh, as if by magic to the far-flung past of, what would it be, 2004 in the episode, I believe? Uh, like it's even it would have been a couple of years because the the first episode of the series is like booth hoodwinking bones to work on a case right so i think it's sort of heavily implied that they're like meeting i know this because we we you and i have looked at the pilot script uh itself uh mm. you know doing a little bit of research um and like the first scene is this Angela flashing her boobs to a TSA agent, so he like yes. goes cross-eyed, and then boobs. I'd let the nine eleven attackers on if they had boobs. Anyway, and then um, and then Booth like and then Bones like does karate to a bunch of federal agents, but Booth is like ah, you, we need you because you're the best. But like that well, undermine- that's gonna come back up in this episode. Yeah. But that, like, undermines the premise that, like, no, they have worked together before. <laughs> um, as though they were just pretending not to know one another in the first case. So, all right. So, we are transported back to the heady days of 2004. Yeah. Uh, hair gel with the hair gel flowed free. It's hair gel for everyone. Nickelback's riding high on the radio. And... We are introduced to 2004 version of Booth. Um, He has a gambling problem. That's a character trait. What's different about 2004 version of Booth? I'll tell you what's different about him. He is no longer the rocking, freewheeling Booth that we are all used to. Uh With his gelled spiky hair, his cocky belt buckle, and his colorful socks. Instead, he is a by-the-book, no-nonsense FBI agent with his hair carefully parted and gelled down to indicate that he is a different person. Mm. So it, that is character development. That's character work. Is, is he going to learn some of his trademark characteristics in this episode? You goddamn bet he is. <laughs> um, we, are, we are also <laughs> told that like... <laughs> a flashback to learn about how Booth started wearing novelty belts. <laughs> Fucking hell. Essentially what this episode is. How Booth learned to love novelty belts. So he um well now I kind of don't get this as well, right? We're also told that um back then he had a gambling problem. And that's uh-huh. introduced like it's going to be a big deal. And spoiler alert, it's fucking not. It's solely <laughs> in there so there can be a few references to Booth as the gambler. Um, uh-huh. so right. he gets asked, uh, he gets asked by the mother of a, like a cold case victim, um, mm-hmm. to have a look at this case. And he goes to see Cam, who I think is currently, uh, a coroner in New York. Is that the deal? No, well, it's, it's basically this is still a, in Washington, isn't it? Yeah. So she's a coroner and she, she's a coroner somewhere. She's coroning, but you know, it's the, it's <laughs> the, it's the, it's, the, it's basically the origin story of how everyone got their various quirks. Uh, and how they had slightly different hair, which is, I think, what happens when you age. Your hair gets a little different. Um, so he goes to see Cam and she's like, hey, I want you to solve this crime, but I'm going to need you to take on a partner. And lethal weapon style, mm-hmm. Booth informs her that, homie, don't play that shit. Uh-huh. You know I don't work with a partner. <laughs> Again, also, like, just... It, it, can a coroner tell an FBI agent to work with a partner? No, I don't, uh, I don't think, I don't well, think so. Well, the the uh, the sort of artifice that they use to make this work is that she says, uh, "There's a forensic anthropologist at the Jeffersonian. I read that she solved how a Stone Age hunter was murdered. If she can solve a four thousand year old homicide, maybe she can help on Gemma Arrington, name of the victim." She says, yeah. I guess I could release the remains to her. I mean, that's someone that's I read works. about in a fucking magazine profile or whatever. 
but that's how it works is that it's the older a body is the harder it is to to identify so you'll need to um uh you so you basically need to be a better forensic anthropologist to identify older remains it's a linear relationship uh booth then informs her forensics don't solve crimes cops do fuck yeah bro i mean i i I guess. I suppose if you don't want to do, if you just want to do like a, a sort of extra judicial killing, which he seems so fond of. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Now, now I wrote down the following exchange because I think it sums up the episode, and it also made me want to shoot myself in the face with a cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cam goes to leave uh, after Booth said that he's not into it. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, he's debating it. Changes his mind, runs after her in the elevator and says, uh, we then get the voiceover of Bone saying, that's when he said, and then in the flashback, Booth goes, what's that scientist's name? Voiceover Bones says, mm-hmm. and Cam answered, Temperance Brennan, <gasps> which is me. Fuck Ooh. off. It's fucking painful. This whole thing is like um, the the very small portions of this show that are rom-com shit between Booth and Bones. It's all that dialed up to 11 and mm. it's very painful. Well, it's, 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 it's painful because it's so sort of cutely knowing, right? Where they're like... Um, <sighs> Where they're like, oh, now we're gonna now we're gonna introduce how they started doing uh, their their fun uh, uh, office experiments, and we're gonna introduce how their two characters are secretly in love and kind of bicker a bit, but hey, they get to it and they solve the case, and we're gonna do that. And there's like, uh, there is a them falling in love montage set to the murder victim singing. Uh, I mean, so this this is very terrible, right? So still in the flashback here. Um, when Booth introduces himself to her, he goes to like a lecture that she's doing. I guess she used to do lectures. Uh, and he introduces himself, Special Agent Seely Booth from the FBI. And she says, oh, yeah. I'm you- Dr. Temperance Brennan from the Jeffersonian Institute for Sexual Harassment. Uh-huh. We don't and do much says, sexual harassment yet. <laughs> we we haven't we're hired- planning to introduce that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't hired the main sexual harasser, but I have been consulting her. Um, and uh, fucking... So he says, he says, do you believe in fate? And she says, absolutely not. That's how I introduce myself to people. I always Um, introduce myself to people like that. Do you believe in fate? That sounds like someone who's going to do some sexual harassment. Yeah, that's actually Um, how I introduce myself to you when I ask you to do this podcast. Do you believe (laughs) in fate and bad television? God. So, um, So he says, do you believe in fate? And she says, absolutely not ludicrous cut to present day uh, where they look at each other and and bone says i still don't and booth says i still do credits Flashback. <laughs> that flashback isn't actually happening right now. It's only going on in our minds. God. <laughs> like, I guess, like, what is what, what is the thing they introduce before the crystal method that then gets debunked? It's the concept of fade and love? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. They, well, like, we don't have... The only thing we've got so far is there is a, there is a cold case. Mm-hmm. We would like to solve it, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's a cold case. We'd like to solve it. But mostly, we want to fuck. What a fuck. So, uh, you know, we're here at the lab. There's a vintage intern who we've never met before. He's looking at the body with bones. Uh, Hodgins is here too, and he's very rude. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's strongly implied that he has anger management issues because he's so horny. <laughs> <laughs> he needs he need to start doing more sexual harassment at the Jeffersonian Institute for Sexual Harassment. Bro, you got to get it out of your system. It's better out than in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, um, so he's he's snapping a rubber band on his wrist like Mark Wahlberg's genius character in the very funny movie for idiots, Mile Twenty Two. Oh wait, so and, this um, is just a, this is just a classic Mile Twenty Two reference. Classic Mile Twenty Two situation, you know. 
Uh, Zach informs us that Naomi from Paleontology suggests that Hodgins is like that because he needs to get laid. And then he explains for Bones' benefit, that means engage in coitus. And she goes, hmm, thoughtful face. <gasps> coitus? Now, unfortunately, because we are not, uh, I guess, five seasons deep in Bones's character development, they've mm-hmm. had to take away everything that she's learned about how to interact with humans for this episode. Mm-hmm. As is given to us, this was the moment that made me laugh hardest in the episode, right? Okay, what is it? We, we then cut to, we are um, outdoors. Hey, there's someone drawing a caricature of someone who is sitting there for them in a, in a seat. It's an artist. Do we know any artists? That's right. I know. I know. It's uh, it's Aristu. <laughs> so it's uh, it's Angela, uh-huh. and she's there doing motherfucking characters on the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. And Bones walks up to her and says, "This is not a good likeness." That's right. She doesn't understand what a caricature is. No, she's too busy she's being smart about Bones. She's so analytical and factually correct that she it is absolutely impossible for her to understand the concept of a character, which is doing a drawing that looks like someone but funny. Yes. Far uh-huh. too difficult to to consider. Um, instead, Bones has arrived to say, you have just done the portrait very badly. <laughs> so Bones doesn't understand what a character is. Uh, very Bonesy. Oh, great. Oh, man. What if, oh, how disappointed would the w- fans of the show Bones be if she walked over to the caricature and was like, ah, good caricature. The last thing you can have the character Bones do is to look at something and say, oh, I get it. Yeah. That well, unless it's cannot... a science thing. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so basically she approaches Angela to say, I want you to do a... <laughs> This is the fucking line. I want you to do a caricature, but an accurate one for my work. Uh Uh-huh. And then she takes... She pulls out the skull of this murder victim Mm -hmm. that she just has in her bag. Yeah. No gloves. No. There's flesh on it. Oh, yeah. She thrusts it into Angela's face. um, And it's like, could you draw a face to go with this skull? (laughs) I love this. And Uh, the face that she draws is accurate to the person down to the hairstyle and jewelry. Yep. Somehow that was what I moment. wrote as well. Hey, the earrings. <laughs> the hair, she, she even knew where the hair was parted based on yep. looking at the skull. Like, I mean, all, like, Bones is all about like, you know, a lot of this bullshit, sci- a lot of this like bullshit, like police sci- pseudoscience just being like, mm, of course we can look at someone's skull and just have a caricaturist from the park draw <laughs> what she thinks the hairstyle would have been. And well, the most ridiculous thing of all though, is yeah. that as we mentioned earlier, Bones is constantly disparaging psychologists. Because mm-hmm. to her, this is just foolish. It's it's a fool's endeavor. It's wild speculation. Dun, dun, dun. It's wild speculation. It's based on nothing. You know, there's no real grounding to it. However, she would love to get the fucking boardwalk caricaturist who went to art school to do a drawing based off a skull that she looked at for a minute. You, and that's I mean, evidence to her. You might as well. I mean, in the this, if this were pitched just a little bit differently, it could get people to be extremely skeptical of the police. Yep. Yeah. Like, hey, so, yeah, they just make up a bunch of evidence. Get a boardwalk. Why not? Just get a caricature. Just get a caricaturist <laughs> to like draw the victim in a dune buggy with um, like like playing a flute or whatever. Yeah, it's yep. great. Here's here's the victim roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> here's the victim with big stink lines coming off him because he's dead. So, uh, so Bones yes, goes victi- off to the FBI. <laughs> the victim's <laughs> eyes were just X's. <laughs> <laughs> victim seemed remarkably stinky, Your Honor. <laughs> so, um, our, our victim loved roller skates and stank and had a head God. four times the size of his body. It's, uh, it's hard for a caricaturist to draw a dead person because they don't get to ask questions during it. You like roller skating? Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, so, so she just said that to the skull, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you so, uh, knew York well, did you? So uh, Bones goes to the FBI office booth. Um, she's very rude to Cam on the way in, mm-hmm. and then she 
she she's ready to lay some shit on Booth, and he has he has asked her to see if he can like figure out see if she can figure out the cause of death or identify the body or whatever, mm-hmm. because he's like I already want to know some stuff. I I just want to see if she can figure anything out. And she shows up and says, your victim was 16 years old, biracial. Mm-hmm. I would love to know how they figured that one out. Oh, it's in the... It, they, they used the calipers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming they got the big calipers out. Uh-huh. Uh, they say she was born in southern Alabama, but moved north when she was eight years old. Oh, Again, if this you look is a at person the femur, they cannot identify in any way. If you look at the femur, that there is an indicator in the femur that someone would have been born and then moved around then from that specific area to that specific area. Weirdly enough, it doesn't make it doesn't happen when it's any other specific area or any other age. But if you move from southern Alabama up north uh, at the age of eight, uh, there is like just a little nick. Uh, and the femur above the patella, uh, which is uh, a very, an interesting fact. This is a very distinctive shape that the mandible forms after several years of like uh, playing a jug. <laughs> That's uh. right, yeah. It looks like she was in a jug band, but not for very long. <laughs> ah, you, can see the, you can see the right bicep is more prominent from playing the washboard. Yes, she, she, her, 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 her left foot has an increased arch from keeping it up on this gut bucket. God, she was injured. In, they say she was injured in a pre nineteen ninety eight automobile. No Sorry, airbags. I, I, have, I, have, I have one more. I have one, one more. more. Go. You can see that she had a more developed musculature on her left clavicle from having worn overalls with just one strap done up. <laughs> Distinct okay, damage to the left kneecap from slapping. <laughs> <laughs> You see, as you as you can see, um, the the toes have been pushed together through uh, several hoedowns. <laughs> the lips form a distinctive shape when the person says "yuck yuck" enough times. <laughs> there's still a hayseed in the in the. If you look closely, you can see there's still a hayseed in the teeth, <laughs> and the victim's big stupid straw hat is still attached. My. Goodness. <laughs> you could tell by this by this jug with three X's on it. So um so she presents a drawing to Booth, which, as you said, Riley, is accurate uh down to where the part in her hair is and what kind of earrings she will be wearing when we see her later in real life. Mm-hmm. Um so Booth then shows her a vic- a video of the victim singing and playing piano. Because she speculated mm-hmm. that she was like a singer or a swimmer due to lung capacity or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, our our joke about her being in a hillbilly band was really not that far off. No. Um, so exactly identical to the, to the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, this person is also clearly in their 20s, mm-hmm. despite being cast as a 16-year-old. They, they were 23 years old at the time of taping mm-hmm. this episode, according to IMDb. Yeah. So Booth says... I want you to help me catch the murderer who is federal judge Hasty. And what do you he know? Proclaims that. He was right. There's they they punches baby. They they introduce one other suspect and immediately dismiss him and then um there are no surprises. <laughs> it's just, it's the guy they thought. Woo yeah, TV. So- so they talk they talk a bit about doing the case and Bone says it seems to me that someone like you could benefit hugely from an association with someone like me and he laughs and then he goes wait you're being serious I was just having some fun and she says it is fun and then she smiles like the scene in the director's cut of Terminator 2 <laughs> where the T-800 is learning human behavior from John Connor yeah she's an annoying um, Terminator I yeah, sent, and, I, was, uh, I was sent back in time to learn about what a metaphor is. <laughs> that's uh, that's what she does when there's like a blank spot in the database that says, mm-hmm. "I don't know what that is." Yeah. So um, we're you know we're back at the lab with Hodgins. He has some the anger management problem from being too fucking horny. I assume this will be solved by getting laid at some point. As you said, Riley, they interview the victim's ex-boyfriend, baseball player. Um. There's like a bit of, they say there's a bit of wood stuck in the skull or whatever the fuck. Yeah, and they're like, uh, aha, baseball player, wooden baseball bat. Got him. Time for some wild speculation that doesn't go anywhere. 
he has a whole bunch of alibis, which I assume they spoke to him about the first time that they investigated this crime. He's also still sad about it, and they immediately decide that a baseball bat can't be the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so forget about that, you know? Yeah, just forget it. Uh, Bones and Booth have a whole scene of just walking around in an ornate building flirting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's how it works. And also, the uh, when they see they first see the murder victim in that video, by the way, it is just her doing a love song for, again, a good 45 seconds. And then, like, transparent shots of Bones and Booth gazing at one another over um, over this, this murder victim singing a, a love song. Uh, they walk well, around this ornate building. They're clearly falling for one another. And, I mean, again, in a way, they might... The, the writers have just said we have we have 30 minutes to complete this episode yes with 10 minutes yes. left we we must have them say how much they play love one another a lot of flirting um but booth declares he would love to ask her out but he can't because of the damn fbi's rules mm, and, and he doesn't wear is, cool belt buckles yet no this is a tantalizing glimpse into what is is to come because uh you know bone says hey even in such straight-laced institutions as the FBI, the free thinkers, you know, they are immediately weeded out and fired, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> the people who don't want to shoot a teen for no reason, they're asked to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole lot of cutesy flirting shit. It's fucking terrible. So mm-hmm. they go to hassle the judge um, that they believe did this murder. Ding dong, mm. murder please. Ding dong, murder police. That sound, of course, means that we have already spent longer talking about bones than the episode went for. Mm-hmm. Regrettable, particularly yep. in this case. Oh, yeah. Uh, we did have a lot of dinners to talk about. So yeah, We had a lot of a big dinner update today. So they go and they go and hassle this judge uh, and they say, hey, you probably murdered her or something, didn't you? And he's like, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Uh, and then he's rude to bones. He's like, uh, you're dizzy broad and she chooses to then assault him by punching him twice in the face which as I understand uh-huh. it is generally not a very sensible thing to, to do with a federal judge I mean it, you'd, you'd think that her science would have told her that you know well she's uh this is bizarrely the only thing she's passionate about in this episode is just fucking punching people yeah punching which people you generally can't do uh, this makes the prosecutor mad. I can't remember her name. Caroline? Uh, Caroline, the prosecutor who we haven't seen for many, many episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just she, she comes in. Maybe she's just been on a really long holiday. Yeah. She's like, hey, why don't you just get this lady drunk if you want to fuck her so much? It's like, awesome. Down, Caroline. Thank you. Back to the lab where we have remembered that we are attempting to solve a crime. Uh, and basically, they think that she got her head slammed in a door or whatever. Something with a bolt or a latch, yeah, who cares? Like a, yeah, something like this. So, at this point, uh, Bones and Booth go to a bar together. Mm-hmm. And they're like hanging out, you know, Bones wants to talk about the case. And Booth's like, hey, just forget about the case for a minute. Do some shots of tequila with me. Then he regrettably informs her that Bones... You're fired. 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 You're all fired. All four are fired. That's right, Bones. You're fired. So wait, are you saying she's fired? That was what I was trying to get across with that uh, supercut of every time that Donald Trump said, you're fired on The Apprentice. For the record, that recording went for another two minutes. 
I was wondering how long you'd keep it going. I kind of figured out it was going on partway through. I kind of um, wanted to do the whole thing, but it's, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. That's right, Bones. You're fired. Uh, and she's like, what, for loving evidence? And he's like, no, for punching a federal judge. Yeah, you know? for, for, for simply making love to this evidence because this is the sexual harassment police. Yep. Uh, and then they're both like, hey, if we're not working together anymore, uh, put a little P and V. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We can uh, uh-huh. have a little... Mm-hmm. Kiss you on the penis, Mr. Booth. <laughs> I will kiss uh, you right on that penis of yours, Mr. Agent Seely Booth. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, I have to tell you I have a gambling problem. And it's like, yeah, it's news to me, too, the audience. Uh, and she's to like, everybody. Why are you telling me that? Oh, this might be going somewhere. And it's like, okay, so you have invented a problem for him to have so it can go somewhere? <laughs> so that you can confess it? This is like, this is like when Rod and Todd and the Simpsons are like, ah, oh, it's, it's, I... Um, they're, they're watching the sheep, the sheep, and it's like Jonah has a sin to confess, but I don't. Of course you do, <laughs> my son. The sin of envy. That's all well and good for sheep, but what are we to do? And uh, so yeah, they've they've basically just given them. It's like Rod and Todd just hoping for a sin so they can confess it, and they've just given it to Booth. It's awesome. Um, and 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 yeah, and then they she's like, well, we can have sex, and then they kiss and she's like mm, sorry too much tequila and it's like yeah f- yeah fair enough bones that's pretty, well pretty sensible well they they go out the back and they have a kiss outside the bar they go and then suddenly we cut back to present day because we've all forgotten that this is one fucking prolonged flashback and sweets is like oh no i'm ruined uh this and then we're back in the flashback book that I'm writing. That's oh, my fucking book about my friends. Because you kissed, that ruined your that ruined the that what the the sublimated force that gives your investigations vigor. <laughs> oh fuck! So um, then we're back to the flashback, and Bones is like, "Nah, I'm not gonna bang here because we've both been drinking a lot of tequila." The next day, they are at the lab. Bones is hungover. You can tell because she's wearing her sunglasses inside. Mm-hmm. I've been wearing sunglasses this whole time we've been talking. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. And uh, she is having everybody in the lab tell her about all the cool new evidence they've come up with. And she's like, sorry, everyone. I got us fired by assaulting a federal judge in this case. And everybody's like, what? Back over at the FBI, uh, Zach the nerd intern arrives to tell Booth that he's a big fucking stupid idiot with a moron's brain for dumb guys. Mm-hmm. And also that they have proof that the judge did it. And uh, I want to say this is just a big old case of... Wild speculation. Uh, I guess this is what would go on to characterize the rest of their working relationship. As they say, uh, Dr. Hodgins found microscopic fragments of steel and traces of lubricating oil. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good thing that, that, that cars, all, it's like a homeopathic amount of car. <laughs> it's a tincture of car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just- oh, we found one one thousandth. <laughs> Of car, yeah, the victim's head. <laughs> Quickly, give her, put it in some water and pour it on the bone. Maybe it'll be better. So they, they compared manufacturer's specs <sighs> for the the trunk of the judge's car. Yeah, a specs because they found a speck. They found a speck of car. I'm like, hmm, let's see who manufactured <laughs> this speck. So, so just just for you, our dear sweet listener, let me let me lay back out in case this hasn't been clear up to this point. What they're saying happened, right? They had a skull. The skull had like some big holes busted in both sides of it in a manner that would probably interfere with your brain, right? And they said, "Hey, we need to find this murder weapon. The murder weapon that could like uh, puncture somebody's skull." have an appropriate amount of force Uh, over the course of the episode. They've said maybe it was like slammed in some kind of door with a protuberance, perhaps a bolt or a latch or something Mm -hmm. like that. Where they've wound up with is we reckon that she was in the trunk of a car and the door got slammed on her head with its, its latchy bits. Right. Yeah. Except that seems to be what happened. It left the specs. You can tell what part of the door it was. 
Yeah, to me, there's a suggestion that, like... Like, imagine, if you will, uh, taking, say, like, a side of beef or, you know, a, a pig carcass or something like that. And then, let's say, you struck it with, like, a pickaxe, you know? And it punched mm -hmm. a hole in it through some bone and the skin and everything. The idea that someone could say, like, oh, I could tell you what brand of pick you did that with. I mean, it's kind it's of the just same. So fucking stupid. It's the same thing as like we by t looking at her skeleton, we could tell that she was in a jug band. You know, it's just yeah. it's the same. It's the same thing. We need to spin forty five minutes of story out of, you know, just about out of forensic evidence, which you know doesn't usually tell this compelling of a story. Uh, but like you know, the question really is like, how is it that this one of the most financially successful shows of all time? has had basically just zero cultural impact outside of this podcast. <laughs> right? Like, it has been, it's been largely, or I mean, has it? Like, it seems like that type of show is just such a relic of its time of telling these sort of internally consistent stories that are supposed to, like, keep you hooked on the sort of the 45 minutes of, of, of tale telling. But ultimately, it's like, you know, the Da Vinci Code didn't exactly inspire anything but other, you know, airport novels, even though it was this, you know, famously a real page turner. But uh, it, it's, it's kind of the same thing, right? Where as soon as you begin to look at it closely, you see that most of the character development is just people stating stuff. Most of the story development is just them finding other clues. And it's again, I think it goes back down to like just how much contempt um, TV writers had at the apogee of... Um, a combination of like YouTube being for fail compilations and you know Netflix being a service that mailed you DVDs is just if you want to understand like how much um, legacy media was caught with its pants down by digital you just have to like look at the way in which this story is is structured it feels like a it feels like something you would almost write as a joke well it's like we keep saying they clearly get to a point and say oh we need to put something in the script about this don't we mm -hmm. like um the like all right so angela says we compared manufacturer specs for the judge's trunk to the victim's gaping head wound mm -hmm. after she's so, been in a dump for four years so compared to like um uh, like this gives me an appreciation for law and order right mm -hmm. Like the your, your classic your classic vanilla Law and Order, not the SVU or yep. Cybercrime or whatever the fuck else they mm -hmm. got going on now. Just the regular stuff where it was like, we've got a body, we're gonna go around and talk to like neighbors and people at venues and all this sort of thing. And then between all of this stuff, we've cobbled together a bit of a picture, and then we're gonna interview some people and then kind of make up our mind based on this stuff, you know. And the other thing I appreciate, it makes me appreciate about Law and Order is that sometimes the person would get off. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they would say, we're very confident that this is the person who did it. Uh, and they would go to trial and they would be like, hmm, this piece of evidence fell through or this bit of testimony wasn't good enough. And that person got away with it, even though we're pretty sure that they're the one who did it. Very formulaic show. Um, John Mulaney had, had a great bit in one of his earlier stand-up sets about like the background characters who populate Law and Order episodes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of them he says is a uh, guy who won't stop unloading things from a van even though he's talking to the murder police. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and like bartender who remembers every single person who has come into that venue over a, like an 18-hour period. Mm-hmm. And you know there are some things like that, uh, which are which are a bit silly and everything. But compared to this, you know, compared to this, where basically they just they write the whole thing out and then they get to a point and say, "Oh, but we also need to like catch the judge." So what we'll do is we'll write in a line that says that we found microscopic fragments of steel and traces of lubricating oil. And that we match that to a model of car and we think that a jury will convict someone based off this. As though, as though like oil is not one of, like the, the kind of oil that you would use mm -hmm. on a car is not one of the most generic fucking things in the world. 
mm-hmm. and the type of steel that car chassis are made out of. Yeah. Like, do you, th- do you think you would be able to look at a type of steel that a car chassis was made out of and narrow it down to anything outside of, like, a 20-year window of a whole bunch of types of, of cars, makes, models, yeah. all that kind of thing? Like, you, you could tell that it was from before a nuclear test or after a nuclear test. That's about <laughs> it. Um, but, like... It's, and, it's, it's whereas whereas they're trying to tell us, they're trying to tell us that they have that they have matched this to, like, a 62 Bel Air. You know, this woman's got a fucking ragged hole punched in her head, and they're going to try and tell an order, like, a, a jury, hey, uh, we can definitely say with 100% confidence that the hole punched in her head was caused by the latch from a 62 Bel Air being pushed through the side of her skull. And we can prove that it's a 62 Bel Air because there are microscopic fragments of steel and oil that we have recovered from the skeleton after boiling all the fucking flesh off it. Yeah, you can look. See, it says 62 Bel Air on all the atoms. (laughs) Exactly. Like, uh, but don't worry, though. This doesn't matter because... We can wrap all this up in the interrogation room. Uh-huh. He's the, now fir- this- he's the first person who doesn't immediately confess. No, well, he's, he's got a reputation, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, not the first um, person, but one of the few people in Bones who doesn't... He does eventually confess once he's, like, given a little bit more uh, pressure, but it does take a little bit of pressure, which is more than usual. So, here's the exchange, right, that leads to... A federal judge confessing to murdering a 16-year-old girl and dumping her body in a landfill. Keeping in mind that prior to this exchange, they have said in the voiceover, the flashback voiceover, they've said, we had all the evidence, but we knew it wasn't going to be enough for a jury to convict. So you didn't have all the evidence. Because we didn't have a reason. We didn't have a motive. Didn't have anything. So Booth says in the interrogation room, to the judge, you had your septum replaced. What was it? Cocaine? Crystal meth? Gemma saw you snorting something. Now we're getting into the into the sweet pickup basketball rhythm that uh-huh. will dominate the rest of the show. Bone mm-hmm. says, he thought he killed her on the stairs, so he went to get his car. Booth continues, she regained consciousness as he loaded her into the trunk. Bone says, he panicked and slammed the lid, which killed her. Mm-hmm. They could tell it for Causing Judge Hasty to say... Now, if somebody had said, like, in this particular case, we clearly don't actually have enough evidence to convict this person, mm. and now we're just kind of spitballing in the room. Causing a federal judge to say, I just wanted to stop her, reason with her, maybe offer her a bribe, <laughs> but she ran... <laughs> You know how judges are always telling FBI agents, well, I would have loved to offer the girl I killed a bribe, but she (laughs) ran away from me. So I killed her, obviously. Mm. So if I, uh, that's how double jeopardy works, right? I commit to a lesser crime, then you can only charge me with, I admit to a lesser crime, then you can only charge me with that one. That's right. Now you may think, hey, there is a romance afoot, but it all falls apart because uh, Bones is being insensitive to the victim's mother. Um... Booth leads her out of the room to talk to her and she immediately, like, again, just strikes him in the face. Uh, And she says, you are a bully. You use your gun and badge to intimidate people. And he says, you use your brain to make people around you feel stupid. That's the same thing. And she says, you are a stupid man. I hate you. I will never work with you again. And, uh, you know... So that's, that's kind of fucked up that whole thing. Uh, back to present day. Oh, no, you fucked up Sweets' book. Fuck you, Sweets. You're a fucking idiot. No one cares about your book. No one was going to buy it anyway. I would have bought it. Um, now <laughs> they've laid that all on him. They leave. They go outside and kiss each other. What? what? Maybe they will. They will. And then Bones will. is like, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Too sad. Uh, she says, you thought you were protecting me, but you're the one who needs protecting I don't have your kind of open heart. Where? I don't know what any... I Hey, you know, I don't know what that means. And then we close on her saying, You said it yourself. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. 
Uh, except he didn't say that. Cam said that to Booth in an ep- in like an earlier scene of this episode. Yeah. Thank you, writers, for obeying the Bones <laughs> rules of not going back over your own episode to see what you wrote. That's that's an actual mistake, right? <laughs> yeah, you said it yourself. He did not say that during this episode. That's so cool. <laughs> My goodness. I, I, I love this, the world's most financially successful television. Just don't, don't edit it. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Fuck it's you. Fine. Fuck you, watcher. There, there's not like any kind of digital challenges to our hegemony are going to emerge anytime soon. What else are you going to do? Fuck you, uh, audience of Bones, and fuck you, this episode of Bones. Yep. Uh, definite yep. low point in the season for me. Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be... I, I'm just... Remember, remember when we had the demon... That was so good. And now we're just like, Mir, I'm in love. I'm sad about being in love. What if we had a procedural... Um, what if we had a procedural TV show and we took all of the crime part out of it and just made it about the very uncharismatic Whoa. leads? Yeah. Awful. Terrible stuff. Uh, it gets a two, two out of ten from me, this episode. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm, Not that I'm we right do ratings. Right there with you. Yeah, you do. Let's let's do ratings now. We're, we're, we're introducing a new segment. Ratings corner. Two out of ten. Two out of ten. Yeah. Uh, it's no it's no demon episode uh-huh. where God, a, a woman declares herself to be an angel as she paints picture upon picture of herself <laughs> killing uh, killing the possessed devil man with the spear of Longinus. You know? Let's just remember that one. Hey, here's a tip. Um, <sighs> just go back and listen to that episode again. No good. No bueno. Mm-hmm. This is probably the shortest episode we've ever done, and that's why. Exactly. Thank you for listening. Uh, we love you very much, and we'll see what is to come next week. Only six episodes left of season oh, no. five of Bones. Oh, no. But hey, we love you very much, but you need protecting. That's you right. listener. It's, it's, it's Andrew and I are, are standing in front of the bar. We're having our first kiss, but then the relationship turns acrimonious. Oh no, our uh, relationship it's, it's, will it's never turn out. Come on. Andrew and I are on one side, and you, the listener, are uh, <laughs> we're bones, and you're booth. Uh, oh boy. All right. Later, everyone. Bye bye.